without the frailty of humanity. And so uh, this, the setup that we have is really, if we would actually follow the Constitution, is probably the best setup of any country that's ever been in, in existence because there's a natural, uh, there's a natural friction to uh, resist controlling the lives of men and allow them to live a life that's free. And that was the design of the original Constitution. And so it wasn't perfect. That's why they allowed amendments to be added to it. But it's not a civics class. But, um, uh, but the Bible does say pray uh, for kings and leaders and governors so that we would lead a quiet and peaceful life. Uh, and really the implication is if we can lead a quiet and peaceful life, then we have the capacity, the freedom to preach the gospel. Uh, and of course, even with all the crazy stuff, we've always been able to preach the gospel. There's not been much, uh, there's not been much, uh, resistance in America to preaching the gospel in churches anyway. If you go outside, you know, you go door to door knocking, there's a lot of resistance now, uh, where they, uh, more so than it used to be. But in the churches, you know, we're still perfectly free to preach whatever we want to. And, um, uh, and so, uh, so all of that's good. Amen. Uh, but um, uh, well, why don't we pray and we'll get into the word tonight then. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for blessing us each and every day. And Father, we thank you for your word and the power of it, Father, and the revelation that it contains. And Father, we thank you that that revelation is revealed to us by the Spirit of God, that he grants unto our spirits, Father, the insight and wisdom that you desire for us to obtain from your written word. The word of God is alive and active, Father, and sharper than a two-edged sword, and it's revealed to us by your Spirit. And so, Father, we depend upon the Spirit of God to teach and to instruct and to to, uh, inform us what the word of God would have us to know each and every day. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 2. We'll, we'll uh, get started there tonight. We had uh, gotten to uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, where it says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, talking about the Lord Jesus, uh, and given him a name which is above every name. And so the Lord highly exalted Jesus because of the obedience uh, that Jesus had to go to the cross and do the things that the Lord had done. And so if you look at, you know, uh, kind of what Jesus did, because he had such great obedience, he had great exaltation. In fact, uh, we talked about how where it says highly exalted, that that's, uh, although the word exalted is found many times in the New Testament and in the Bible, this particular word is the only time used uh, implying that uh, Jesus was exalted above everybody else that's exalted. So he's the highest one that's ever been exalted because he did greater things than anybody else had ever done. And that's really why he was exalted because of his great obedience. Uh, and as a result of that, it gave him a name which is above every name. Uh, but there were also other things that, that were given to Jesus that he didn't have prior to coming to the earth. Uh, and so we started talking about that and, and we talked about how Jesus is now the head of the church. He wasn't the head of the church before, uh, before the cross. Uh, there was no implication that he was the head of the nation of Israel, for example. He was never given that title, although, you know, God in general was, uh, wanted to be the king of Israel, but they, they did get a king. Uh, but there was never an official title for Jesus to have that prior to the cross. But now he's the head of the church. We talked a little bit about that. And, and, and I just want to encourage you a little bit about that. You know, as you read the word of God, if you look at how, much, how, much, how many specific things the Lord gave to us about here's how to run the local church. He doesn't really give us a lot of details, right? He doesn't tell us what color chairs to have or, you know, what address to put on the front of the building or, you know, how many singers to have and, how, you know, what structure of authority there should be. Should there be, you know, one elder or two elders or deacons or, you know, those are all things that are in the Word of God, but there's no requirement that you could have that you have any of those things, you know. Uh, and so 
you know, here we, we've got uh, elders, uh, and there we have a board that we talk to on occasion that uh, as we need to purchase things, you know, we, we take that before the board, and, and, you know, the board is basically uh, Jerry and, and my wife and I, but uh, anytime I want to do anything, spend any significant money, I, I talk to them about that. Um, and, you know, can we have more people? We can have more people on the board if, if we want to, and uh, there's nothing in the Word of God that tells us that. But there are some general things in the Word of God that's helpful to know. And so for me, if you go to Ephesians 4.11, where, where it says God gave gifts unto men, and he gave the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And then the verse 12 says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And, and that particular verse, to me, kind of lays the groundwork of what's the purpose of the church? What's the, what's the responsibility that the local, because it includes the pastor, right? And so the pastor is the shepherd of the local church. Uh, and so what's the pastor's primary job? Well, according to verse 12, it's number one, to perfect the saints, which means to, to cause them to mature, right? So how do we cause saints to mature? Well, we cause them to mature by the teaching of the word. And so teaching is primarily the responsibility inside the church. And preaching is primarily the responsibility of what we do outside the church because the saints don't need to be preached to because the purpose of preaching is to preach people uh, to exhort them to get saved and to receive the Lord. And sometimes we do preach to the church. Uh, and if you look at historically, you know, the, the, uh, uh, I think probably the Pentecostal church got in the biggest rut of all of them. But for, for many decades, the Pentecostal church would just preach every, every Sunday. Uh, every service to the people. Well, they're already saved, right? And, and so why are you preaching to the saved, right? You, you talk about preaching to the choir. Uh, and I remember one time I, I went to, uh, when I first went to college, I was looking for a local church to go to. So, you know, I didn't know. So I just went to this church, went to that church, and I went to one church and they had Sunday school. So I went to Sunday school and, and um, you know, it was fine. And then uh, went out to the main sanctuary and met the pastor and, uh, and, um, uh, you know, he seemed like a nice fella, and, and, and uh, we did praise and worship, and then uh, he got up uh, to preach, and, and that was the last breath that he took, and he screamed at us for like an hour. I mean, I'm like, is, is he mad that I do something wrong? You know, I mean, uh, uh, and it was just really, you know, because I really wasn't used to that, first of all. Uh, I'd been, uh, I got saved in a word church, in a Pentecostal church, but it wasn't that Pentecostal, and um, <clears throat> And he just screamed and, you know, sweating everywhere and spitting everywhere. And, and, um, and, and I, that's all I remember from the message, you know, he's screaming and spitting. And, uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> so I went on to somewhere else, right? Uh, but but the, the primary, the first purpose of the church is to perfect the saints. So that should be, uh, in, my, in my heart, that's the, driving, uh, that's the driving desire that I have as a pastor is to perfect the saints. Well, that would be you, right? And, and anybody who attends the church here is to help us to grow up, and we grow up by the Word of God, amen? Uh, and, and so that's the number one responsibility. So if you look at, you know, is the number one responsibility even missions? Well, it's not really missions, because if we perfect the saints, because the second thing is perfect the saints uh, for the work of the ministry. So the second responsibility is to teach the saints how to do the work of the ministry. Well, you know, unfortunately that has been kind of misconstrued over the years to kind of browbeat the people in the church to, well, you need to do the work of the ministry. That means you need to sweep the floor and paint the walls and, you know, clean the chairs and clean the bathrooms. And that's not really the work of the ministry. That's the work of this building. But ministry is ministry, right? It's advancing the kingdom of God in people's hearts. And so the primary purpose of the church is to cause the saints to grow up. So when they leave this building, they are equipped and trained 
how to advance the kingdom of God by knowing how to lay hands on the sick, how to pray for people, how to witness to people, how to get them to come into the, to the, to the throne of God. That's the work of the ministry, amen? Everything else is just stuff that's necessary to do, right? We have to paint walls and sweep floors, but that's not the work of the ministry. And I've, and I've heard many pastors, you know, say, well, if you're called, you need to be doing the work of the ministry. So first thing you got to do is clean the toilets, right? Because you always got to find the worst job uh, to, to see if somebody's really called. You give them the worst job in the world. And, you know, that's fine, you know. Uh, and are we all servants? All of us are servants, right? Uh, and any service that we do is fine, amen? If it is cleaning the floors and painting the walls, that's fine. And that's, that's part of the job, right? A servant is to do whatever is necessary to get the job done. But the primary job of the Christian is to advance the kingdom of heaven. It's not to, to do the things that we have to do. It's not to do your job. It's not to raise your children. Now, the number one responsibility of all of the people of God is to get people to go to heaven. Everything else, you know, it, other things are important. Amen. And you shouldn't forsake, you know, if you've got children, you shouldn't forsake your children for that, uh, for that purpose. Uh, you know, you've got to find your own call of God and find out how that works out. Uh, and so, uh, but that's, that's the job. So the, so, uh, perfect the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So when we all do the things we're all supposed to do, the body of Christ is built up and matured and made stronger. Uh, and, and that's, you know, so when I'm reading the word of God, especially the New Testament, I'm always looking for hints of, Lord, how do you want us to run the church, right? How do you, what, what do you want us to emphasize in the church building, amen? So every, to me, everything else is great. Everything else is secondary, right? So we have I mean, if we have a K through 12 school, praise God. That's not the number one priority, right? No problem having it. If we have a playground, praise God. No problem with that. That's not the number one priority. Amen. If we have men's fellowship, a ladies' fellowship, and you know, children's ministry. I mean, of course, in my sense, in my heart, children's ministry is the perfecting of the saints, right? Because you start young. Uh, but if you know, we do other things, you know, like whatever, you know, uh, uh, some type of uh, uh, like an Easter egg hunt. Uh, those things, even though in some place circles that's blasphemy, but it's not blasphemy. It's just hunting for chocolate, right? And, and we leave it at that. It's just entertainment. Nothing wrong with that, amen? Uh, but that's not the highest priority, amen? Highest priority is what do we do from, from behind the pulpit? What are we training and teaching uh, the people? Uh, and, and in that regards, then uh, we should all be growing up and maturing each and every day, amen? Uh, and so as you read the Word of God, you should always kind of keep that in, in the back of your mind. Lord, what uh, what do you say about how do we run the church? Because you're the head of the church. So it seems like as the head of the church, he would have uh, instructed us through his word about how you want us to run the church. And, and so there's not a lot of details, amen? And if there's not a lot of details, then it's left up to us how we choose to do that. And, you know, as a church family, now I think it's fine to get the church family involved, right? What do you think? You know, you all like the color of the paint. I mean, I think, didn't we have a paint color vote, you know? Uh, and... Um, we had almost had a coup on whether to paint the, the, uh, the trusses there or not, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, do you want new chairs? You know, it's fine with, with uh, talking about that. But at the end of the day, somebody has to make a decision. And, um, you know, if I was wise, I would listen to your counsel and, and see if there's things that fit with, with uh, the heart and the vision that the Lord has given to us and then do that. But then sometimes, you know, like uh, when we did the, the kitchen renovation, you know, uh, of course, some of you weren't here, but, you know, it had uh, it, it was used as a as a retail store before that. So it had pegboard walls, you know, and, and it had, you know, uh, paneling over here and it had, you know, um, the, the counters and stuff uh, needed to be replaced and the cabinets. And, 
but it's just, you know, it was just a retail store, so it wasn't uh, ideal for what we needed. Uh, and uh, my plan was to just, you know, kind of gut it and redo it and make it usable for the things we're doing in the church. But then one of the folks in the church said, well, there's nothing wrong with this. This is fine, you know. And it's like, okay, you never get a boat again, right? You just, your boat car's pulled and, uh, because it needed to be replaced, right? I mean, it just, it was, uh, in my heart, in my, in my uh, uh, opinion, uh, we can take about anybody who's here, remember that? Uh, did, we, did we need to replace the kitchen? Yeah, I mean, you know, you were there, right? We, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, they didn't get mad because we did it anyway. But, uh, you know, so, so uh, just because someone has an opinion, you know, I mean, it's an opinion, right? And so yeah, I think it's fine to express your opinion as long as uh, it's not, a, uh, not demanding, right? In fact, I, w- I was talking to one person one time. They, they, were, they went to another church, and I knew the pastor, <clears throat> and they actually asked me to get involved with this conflict that was between them and their pastor, and, uh, and, and they wanted me to kind of be a, um, uh, um, I don't know, like a, a tiebreaker or something, you know. But anyway, so, uh, so they got the talk and said, well, you know, I've just noticed there's a lot of things uh, going on in church, you know, uh, and uh, that concerns me. And they said, well, well, well what was this? You know, and they said, well, this, this, and this, you know, it's, it's fine, you're right. It's just observations. And they said, well, and the pastor should have done this, and the pastor should have done this, and the pastor should have done that. And I said, well, you know, you were fine until you started dictating to the pastor what they should do, right? Nothing wrong with saying, hey, I observed this, this is going on, you know, whatever you want to do, and, 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 uh, but then see what happened. He usurped the authority, right? So, so now, you know, nothing wrong with saying, hey, uh, you know, if I said, well, well what, do you, what do you recommend they would do? Well, then, you know, I'll give you the opportunity to tell me, but if you just come in and just dictate to the pastor, you wouldn't do that to your boss. Hey, boss, you know, the guy you hired, you need to fire them, you know, or, and the way you're running the, the schedule here, it's all wrong. You wouldn't do that to your boss. You would never do that to your boss, but you do that to, to he, but he would do that to his pastor. Uh, and so uh, it, it's, uh, it, it was just interesting, you know, now there's nothing, all those things that he, that he had problems with, none of them were scriptural issues because the Bible doesn't have a lot of details about do this and do that, right? And so, so really, the Lord has left it with us because we are intelligent human beings. We, we all have a conscience. We all have the Spirit of God in us. You've got the Spirit of God in you. You know what that means? That means you can hear from heaven. I don't expect to be the only one ever hears from heaven in this ministry. Amen. And if I am the only one who hears from heaven, I'm not really doing my job to perfect the saints. If I'm really doing my job to perfect the saints, then you should have the ability to hear from heaven. Uh, and if you hear from heaven, then it's from heaven, right? Uh, now, a lot of people say they hear from heaven, but, uh, you know, it's not from heaven because... I, you know, uh, anytime somebody, especially with any kind of conflict, first thing I do is, well, let's see what the Word of God says about that. And if the Word of God is, is, is silent about that particular subject, then although we may have an opinion, we shouldn't be really dogmatic about it. Amen. Because it's, then, it's just then our opinion. If the Bible says, uh, you know, don't, uh, uh, don't uh, commit adultery. Well, then is there ever an option that it's okay to commit adultery? No, because the Word of God is clear in that. But uh, the, does the Word of God say, you know, don't eat uh, uh, three donuts? No, there's nothing in the Word now, you know. It does talk about uh, moderation later on, you know, in, in, in the fruit of the Spirit, uh, temperance. But three donuts, is that, is that okay? I mean, you know, that might be on the edge. I don't know. Is there any, there's no law, though, right? So it's just none of my business, right? Uh, so, uh, but it, it would be helpful for the, for the people in a church to also see what the Word of God says as far as how the church should run and be okay with that, amen? 
and then if there's other things that we want to do, like renovate a sanctuary, there's nothing in the Bible that says you can or can't renovate a sanctuary. Uh, and so, well, you shouldn't spend that much money. I mean, is there a rule that in the Bible says you can't spend money on anything? I mean, you know, I don't know. But uh, some people are really adamant about it. In fact, uh, someone was telling me that they went to a church to show them some uh, the church wanted to get new carpet, not our church, but another church wanted to get new carpet. So uh, the pastor had them come and had the carpet salesperson come to the church and say, hey, we've got A, B, and C. What do you guys want? Well, section number one said A, section number two said B, section number three said C. They'll leave and come back. So they left and come back with D, E, and F. Well, section one wanted D, section two wanted E, section three. So they did this like three times, no consensus, and it's finally... Uh, they wanted to come back a fourth time and they said, look, just get a committee. Uh, I mean, you know, we, I'm not a big fan of committees. I mean, if we need them, that's fine, you know, but uh, especially the size we're at, we don't really need a lot of committees. Uh, and I'm not opposed to anything, right? You know, some people just, oh, I'm not having any committees. But there's neither yay nor uh, nay in the yay nor nay in the church and the word of God about committees. Uh, and I mean, they sort of had a committee with Acts chapter 6, right, with the deacons, right? They were put in charge of this business and so... Uh, that's kind of how the uh, uh, the deacons used to overthrow the, the leadership of the church uh, later on in different denominations. But uh, and so um, so they did form the committee, and they came back, and the committee made a decision, and then uh, they presented it to the church again, and four families left the church because they didn't like the carpet that was selected. <laughs> and it's like uh, you know, and I, I just can't imagine standing before the Lord Jesus someday and and Him asking me why I left the church. Whether they get the wrong color carpet. Yeah, how, rec- how well you reckon that's going to go over with the Lord, right? Uh, did, he, did he call them to go to that church? Then who cares, right? I mean, uh, it'd be okay to have nice ca- carpet. And I'm sure brand new carpet's got to be nice unless it's like orange shag from the 70s, right? Anybody remember orange car- carpet from the, the 70s, right? Shag carpet, you know? That was like a law. You had to, it had to be orange or green, like, like lime green, you know, and, and had to have, you know, big, tall, thick carpet. And, and, uh, I, I, what happened in the 70s? You know, I mean, it must have been all that acid tripped on or something that, that uh, I mean, it had the worst taste of everything, you know, the co- clothes. And uh, I, fortunately, I wasn't really involved in that, but I observed a lot of, I'm the youngest, right, in my family. So I got to see a lot of my family go through really bad uh, decisions and in, in, uh, selection of styles of the clothes. But, uh, uh, and so anyway, um, so not a lot in the word of God, but what, there's a few things and, and we should be okay with those few things. And then everything else, we, we come together as, as adults and we come to an agreement, you know, and if there's disagreement, then we yield as necessary and, uh, because nothing is really all that important, right? I mean, I was thinking we'd paint the trusses and, and uh, they had to tase me twice because of it. But, you know, I was just thinking, because that's what I would do if, I, if it was me, I'd just paint the trusses. Well, you know, the one that we uh, paid to help design it said, don't you dare paint the trusses. And so is it a doctrinal issue? Is, is it a sin to not paint him? I mean, it's close to not to sin to not paint him, but it's not a sin to not paint him. And so it's fine, right? Uh, I don't have lost a wink of sleep over it. And, uh, and I think it turned out just fine, amen? Uh, and so, so Jesus is the head of the church. Let him be the head of the church, amen? Uh, and then we uh, turn over to Hebrews chapter 3, and we got to the, to the next uh, uh, things that uh, Jesus was promoted into. It says here in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. 
So these are new, new positions that Jesus got as a result of his obedience. He is now the apostle and high priest of our profession. Uh, and so, of course, we know that an apostle, there was 12 apostles of the Lamb, right? And a, the definition of the apostle is a sent one, uh, one of a, high, of a high rank and order. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, that's the apostle, right? And if you look in the, in the, the New Testament, especially in Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and, and a couple of other places, Anytime it talks about apostle, the, the general uh, implication that the apostle is the highest rank that a, that a Christian leader can have in the body of Christ today. So you always see it in that order, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Anytime you see apostle and prophet, it's always in that order, apostle, then prophet. It's never pa- prophet, then apostle. Uh, and so it, it appears that in the body of Christ, then an apostle is the highest rank in the, the general uh, uh, body of Christ. But even in that... Um, you know, we're not going to get into a big, long discussion about the apostolic ministry, uh, because just like anything, you know, the scope of our ministry, the scope of my responsibility will, may be different than the scope of somebody else's responsibility. So, you know, I stand in the office of the pastor, but I'm not a pastor to other pastors, right? There's nobody that answers to me, uh, but there are, other, there are pastors who have other pastors reporting to them. And so they would tend to stand at a higher position, you know, as far as responsibility and and authority that the Lord Jesus has set aside. Uh, and so Jesus is an apostle. And really, he's the greatest apostle, right? Any apostle equal to Jesus? No. And we know just from our studies, of course, we studied this when we uh, looked at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 in detail. We looked at the five-fold ministry gifts. And, and really, Jesus stood in all those, right? He was an apostle. He was a prophet. He was an evangelist. He was a pastor. And he was a teacher. He stood in all of those. Uh, but, uh, but the highest rank is his position as the apostle. And then uh, in the New Testament, we see that there's four classes of the apostle. Amen. So Jesus is the highest class of the apostle. And, and will, will anybody ever replace him as the highest apostle? No, one, he, he's the highest apostle. No one's ever going to be promoted above Jesus. Uh, and then you have the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Uh, and and uh, uh, so how many apostles of the Lamb were there? 12. I just gave the answer, right? I don't know. Uh, then you're not paying attention, right? I don't know. Um, there's a 12. Will there ever be any more than 12? No, because if you go to Acts chapter 1, when Peter was replacing Judas with Matthias, he says the, the, the requirements for an apostle of the Lamb is to be one who witnessed the ministry of Jesus and was with him from the time of the baptism of John until the crucifixion. So they had to be with him. So Matthias, apparently, uh, and, and uh, the other fellow who didn't make the cut, right? Anybody know his name? I don't remember his name, but uh, nobody remembers the guy that didn't make the cut, right? Anybody remember who got the silver uh, medal, you know, any Olympic ever? No one remembers the silver medal, right? And, and, and so I'm not really, a, you know, I hope that the, whoever you are, you know, don't get offended, you know, uh, in heaven that I don't remember your name, but uh, we can go over and look at it. Uh, but uh, Matthias was apparently with them, right? So there were plenty of people who were with Jesus the whole time during his ministry. They just weren't in any official capacity. And so Peter said, these are the responsibilities. These are the requirements to become an apostle of the Lamb. And so in that regard, Paul was not qualified to be an apostle of the Lamb because he wasn't with Jesus. He hated the church. He hated the ministry of Jesus. Uh, he wasn't with Jesus and was a witness of his ministry, but Matthias was. So after the 12th apostle of the Lamb was, was uh, selected to replace Judas, then there's never another, there, there can't be any apostle of the Lamb today because Jesus isn't here. So it would be biblically impossible to be an apostle of the Lamb. And yet, I'm sure, I mean, I don't know right offhand, but I'm sure that people have claimed I'm an apostle of the Lamb. Uh, and they've never read the Bible, right? Because you cannot be an apostle of the Lamb, especially now that Jesus is gone. 
so, there, so that was the second class of the apostle. Then the third class of the apostle were those who wrote scripture. So who wrote the most of the New Testament? Paul did, right? But if you look at all the writers of, of the New Testament, not including the, the, the four gospels, because the four gospels and really the book of Acts were historical books, right? To write down the witness of what occurred. Uh, but as far as doctrinal uh, people who are writing doctrine, they were all apostles. And the, the one exception that we're not as sure of is Jude. And the assumption is that because all the other writers of doctrinal books were apostles, that Jude was probably an apostle as well. Uh, is there going to be any more scripture written? No. So the third class in apostle were, which those who wrote scripture, they're, 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 that class is closed, right? There's never going to be another apostle of, of uh, that writes scripture. And that's why all, all the, the Book of Mormon, right, who, who purports to be scripture, can't be so because that was closed at the, at the close of the first century, right? Uh, when and John was the last apostle to die, he, was, he stood both in an apostle of the Lamb and as a third uh, class of the apostle to write scripture. He wrote, of course, uh, the book of John and the epistles of John and the book of Revelation. Uh, and so... Uh, but there's no other scripture being written, so that third class is now closed also. So the first class is closed, only Jesus. Second class, Apostle Lamb, is closed. Uh, Twelve and only twelve. Third class is closed. No more scripture being written. The fourth class, uh, the apostles that we have today. Uh, and are there apostles today? Well, sure there are, because it never says that God stopped. In fact, he said in Ephesians chapter 4 that God gave gifts to, uh, unto men, and he said, if, including apostles, for this reason, for the uh, perfecting of the saints. Well, do the saints need to be perfected still? Sure. I mean, there's new saints created every day, getting saved every day, so they need to be perfected. So uh, is there work of the ministry that still needs to be done? Is, uh, is uh, uh, for the perfecting of the ministry, for edifying the body of Christ, uh, does the body of Christ need to be edified? Well, sure. So if those three things haven't been completed yet, then there's still a need for apostles. And if you look through the, the book of Acts and the New Testament, what you find is about, there's about another dozen apostles that were either named like Barnabas and, and, and um, uh, uh, Silas, yeah, sorry. Silas was uh, uh, mentioned as an apostle. Barnabas was mentioned as an apostle. Uh, uh, and so there were several other apostles other than Paul that were mentioned both in the book of Acts and in the New Testament. And we went through all of those when we did the uh, book of Ephesians. Uh, and so that fourth class is still with us today. There will continue to be apostles in the, in the body of Christ until the Lord Jesus winds up the church. And then, and then what he does after that is up to him. We don't know what happens uh, beyond our knowledge and those things. But, but Jesus is the, is the highest apostle. And, and part of the, uh, the job of the apostle, uh, especially in Jesus as his job, is to plead God's case with us, uh, to encourage us, to uh, seek faithfulness from us, to come and to say, hey, God wants you to be faithful. Uh, and, of course, the apostleship is a, is, a large, uh, is a large position. But that's Jesus and his role as the apostle is, is he sent to us. Hey, God has sent me to you. Be faithful, right? How many times did he tell the churches in, in the book of Revelation, be faithful, right? Uh, and uh, according to the gospel of Matthew, uh, what are we going to be rewarded for? Our faithfulness, right? Not for the specific things that we did. Uh, it's for, were we, were we faithful to do what we were told, both in the Word of God and by His Spirit? Uh, and so, uh, so that's, that's the job of the apostle. But then high priest. Uh, now, 
we're not going to get a lot of details about high priest. If we want to, we would get buried in, in the discussion of the high priest, right? The New Testament high priest. Because uh, then you've got to go to, to Hebrews and go look at all these things, you know, about Melchizedek and, and the original high priest and the sacrifices. And, uh, uh, but we know Jesus came from which tribe? Judah, right? So he wasn't from the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of Judah. So, so because uh, he didn't come from the tribe of Levi, which was Aaron's tribe, uh, he came from uh, the tribe of Judah. So there was a shift in the ministry of the high priest. Amen. If you go to the book of Hebrews, you can read all about that. Hebrews chapter 7, 8, 9, you know, a lot of different areas in the book of Hebrews that talks about that. And we could get sidetracked and be on that for a year, you know. And, and uh, I, I remember uh, years ago when it was with my pastor, he started teaching on the book of Genesis, which is great, right? He got the Genesis chapter 1. It was awesome. Genesis chapter 2. It was amazing. Genesis chapter 3, 4, and 5. And around Genesis chapter 5, it starts getting into the um uh the genealogy at that point in time and and of course enoch was in that genealogy and he read the word enoch and then he went over to the new testament i think it's in jude where it talks about you know enoch said these things you know about the end time events and that was the last last verse we ever did in genesis he actually went home to be with the lord before he got past that verse because for the next several years he taught on end time events because of that one person in enoch and, and, uh, and it was all great. I mean, the, the, he did a great job on teaching on end-time events. But that was a, a rabbit trail, right? I mean, and it was a huge rabbit trail. It was a multi-year rabbit trail. Uh, and so we're going to try to avoid uh, getting in that particular rabbit trail. Uh, I mean, we could, but I, I don't sense we need to go down that particular path. Uh, but the high priest, you know, the high priest, at least in the Old Testament, uh, his job was to do uh, the sacrifices, right? To plead our case with God that, hey... I have uh, uh, killed the sacrifice, and now, Lord, we beseech you to forgive us. And, and so Jesus is really kind of that same role, except he doesn't go to the, to the Father with the, the fact that, hey, I've killed this, this sacrifice, please forgive them. He goes to the Father with, hey, I've, I've been the ultimate sacrifice, please forgive them. So, uh, so the high priest, his job as a high priest is, is to ever live to make an intercession for us, and to be our mediator between God and man. And, and so he goes to the Lord on our behalf as the high priest. He comes to us from God uh, as the role of the apostle. Uh, and, so, and those are the two roles uh, that he's done, uh, that two more roles that he's done uh, since he was exalted. And so he's the apostle and high priest. And then it says of our profession. And, and you know, to be honest, uh, you know, I, had to, I had to really pause in this because uh, you know, how many times do you reckon you've read Hebrews 3.1? And I never was really clear on what does it mean to be the apostle and high priest of our profession. I know if we just stopped that he's the apostle and high priest, okay, we can stop there. We know what that means, right? We can research it, look it up, you know. And um, so I looked a lot, and like, uh, it didn't really make a lot of sense. So I went through, started reading Bible translations uh, about that because a lot of times translation, different translations will kind of give you the, the insight of what it means. Uh, but really, I, I want to read uh, one translation. It says, Therefore, holy brethren, who, uh, this is um, the BSB translation. Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, set your minds on Jesus, the apostle, the apostle and the high priest, whom we confess. And one translation says, as we confess. Another translation says, whom we acknowledge uh, and confess. Uh, and so, you know, in that, um, what's he saying is, is our confession needs to be that Jesus is both our apostle and our high priest. 
And so really what he's saying is that as you, as you spend time with the Lord, you can confess with the Lord, Lord, you're my apostle. Uh, and so in that, then uh, you're, you're compelling me and desiring for me uh, to be faithful over what you called me to do. And so, I, so we just say that as part of our confession, a part of our prayer life, right? So we're just saying really uh, what, what Jesus is, uh, what his role is. And I just wrote down the, these comments here that Jesus is my apostle, therefore God has peace with me. Uh, and so, uh, and then Jesus is my high priest, therefore I have peace with God. So you, you use those two roles in, as part of your prayer confessions that Jesus, you're my apostle, and so uh, me and the Lord's at peace, uh, or God has peace with me. That's what you, that's what you were sent to come tell me, that, that uh, since I've been reconciled, now we have peace with God. That's what you've come to tell me. So thank you for being my apostle. And then as my high priest, uh, because of the work that you did on the cross, I have peace with God. And so, Lord, I thank you that I have peace with, with God. So before, God has peace with me because he's the apostle. But now I have peace with God because he's my high priest. So we can use those just in, in our prayer. So he's the apostle and high priest of our confession or our profession. Uh, and, that's, and all he's saying is, is, as you pray, remind yourself of what God has done for you. And specifically, those two ministries that Jesus now stands in, both the apostle and high priest. Uh, and uh, like I said, we could, we could spend uh, a whole lot of time just talking in more detail about those things. But I just want to kind of give a high level of what those two roles were and how important they are, right? So is it important that Jesus comes to us and tells us, hey, uh, you and God, you're good, right? Uh, I, I paid for everything, you know, uh, all that's fine, right? Uh, and, uh, and then as a high priest, you know, um, uh, you, know you, you have peace with God because, because of the, the sacrifice that I made. Uh, and so, um, so let Jesus be the apostle, the one that's sent to you with the words from heaven, and let him be the, the high priest that he goes to God on your behalf, uh, and that all is well. Amen? And, that's, and so we should use those in our prayer life and, and thank the Lord uh, for those particular uh, roles. Uh, and so let's turn over to 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. Let's look at uh, another uh, role here. And I think this is the last role that we look at uh, about the Lord Jesus. So he's the head of the church. He's the apostle. He's the high priest. And then here in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Is that? Oh, that clock is like, what's wrong with that clock? It's, it's uh, the minute hand and the hour hand are almost on top of each other. So I thought something was broke. Um, uh, anyway, so um, here in First Peter uh, chapter 5, uh, it says um, in verse 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So, uh, of course, we know he's the head of the church, but he's also the chief shepherd, right? And, and if, you, if you go to Ephesians chapter 4, where it says that he gave a uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. That word pastor, the English word pastor, that's the only time it's found in the New Testament with that, translated as pastor. Everywhere else it's, it's translated as shepherd. Uh, and so the word pastor literally means uh, the word shepherd. Uh, and so um, that's his role, right? So, so not only is, is he the head of the church, but he's also sh uh, the shepherd of the church. Now he's, he's called the chief shepherd, so that implies that he's a chief shepherd. That means at best, you know, all I can ever be is an under shepherd to the chief shepherd. Amen. So although I'm a, I'm a shepherd, I'm a pastor, I can never rise above that rank. I can't ever be the chief shepherd because that's the role of Jesus. Amen. So that kind of tells you that 
uh, it would be possible for anybody to be the chief shepherd in the earth? No, because who's, who's got that role? Jesus got that role. So, you know, uh, I don't know if, uh, you know, I'm not mad at anybody, but, uh, you know, they call the, the Pope the, the, the chief shepherd of the earth, right? But he can't hardly be the chief shepherd of the earth because that role is already taken, amen? It'd be like, I'm the chief apostle. Well, I can't be the chief apostle. That role is taken, amen? Uh, and so, so Jesus is a chief shepherd. That means that I'm an under shepherd, and, and I should be okay with that, amen? I should never consider, well, I've got a big church. I'm the shepherd of the earth. I can't be the shepherd of the earth because if I'm the shepherd of the earth, then that means Jesus is no longer the shepherd of the earth. Amen. So, uh, so will any human being ever rise to the rank of chief shepherd? No. I mean, if, if that's the role of Jesus, it never says he's a chief shepherd for the first 2,000 years or so. And then after that, you know, he's going to hand it. He's going to retire, you know, to the shepherdville and, and relax there. Right. Uh, and so. No, he's, uh, um, uh, he's in that role, amen? Uh, and, you know, we could talk a, a lot more about that, but I think we're okay with, uh, uh, with, that, with that discussion there. So, so in all of these things, you know, from all of the roles that Jesus has, uh, that should put some constraints in our lives in about uh, how far can we go, right? And uh, it's not to hold us back or anything because we can live completely fulfilled lives with the fact that, okay, I can never be the chief shepherd, but I can still be a great shepherd, right? I can still be a shepherd to the people that the Lord has put in, into this ministry uh, and, and be okay with that, amen? Uh, and, and what happens a lot of times, if we're not careful, uh, we don't want any constraints. We don't want any boundaries in our ministry. We don't want any boundaries in our lives. We want to be able to be like God. And, and the problem with that mentality is that doesn't come from the Spirit of God. That comes from the enemy because the devil's always trying to overthrow God, right? And that's how we started, right? I will exalt my throne above the throne of the Most High God. Uh, and many times men will get the big head because they want to run the earth. How many times, you know, it's like, it's not, of course, it, it happens in every single movie that's ever been produced, right? Somebody's trying to take over the whole world, right? Uh, but how many times in history has, have men tried to take over the world? And the problem is they can never t overtake the world because God is the chief shepherd, right? He's the chief shepherd. He, he's the apostle, high priest. He's the head of the church. So uh, nobody can ever be the, uh, take over the whole earth because they would have to supplant Jesus in some of those roles. Uh, and are we okay with that? Well, normal human beings are perfectly fine with that. But you get people sometimes that, uh, uh, that kind of get the big head. And even in the church sometimes, uh, ministers, especially if they're used in a great and mighty way with the Lord, will start to think that it's because of them. You know, how many times have we read of stories where the, these great healing evangelists, you know, there was one, it was the Jeffrey brothers, and one of the Jeffrey brothers, you know, was used a lot to, to heal rheumatoid arthritis. And he would go and they would say that you could hear the bones and joints cracking from across the room as he would pray for people that are all twisted up and, and spectacular he, uh, healings and miracles. And, and in one particular service, that, that happened, and, and the uh, lady started praising God. And saying, thank you, Jesus. And he said, don't you say, thank you, Jesus. I'm the one who healed you. Now, you know, that's really dumb because none of us had the capacity to heal in that swing. And that should be obvious, right? But uh, somewhere along the way, uh, he must have lost all of his close friends because there was nobody to tell him, you know, that loved him enough to say, uh, no, that's really dumb. Don't say that, right? Uh, I remember uh, when... Um, 
I think it was Anne Marie, she was, she was like in first grade, kindergarten, first grade or whatever, and she was talking about some kid at school that was acting up, just rotten, you mean to her all the time, you know. And she said, why is he mean all the time, you know? Now, this is a little kid, right? I said, well, they're just mean all the time because their parents don't love them enough to discipline them, which is true, right? Because I mean, there's no need for, for kids to be mean if they got loving parents, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe they don't have parents, I don't know, but uh, they don't have somebody that loves them enough to discipline them. And she paused a second and said, that is so sad. Uh, and it was sad, right? Uh, and, you know, a lot of times these ministers, uh, they, they get to advance in a ministry and do greater and more spectacular things. But then they start thinking how wonderful they are because they're doing those things and not, uh, not realizing that except for the grace of God and his power, we're all just dirt, right? And now that's, that's easy, right? It's easy when, when we've got a handful of people, you know, what, what would we do tomorrow if 500 people come to church here? You know, what would I do? What would you do, right? Oh, I'd go to that church, you know. Uh, I mean, would you start bobbing your head a little bit, you know, and, and, and talking a little bit? Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't go to my church. You should come to my uh, You know, so that's for all of us, right? Uh, what, would, what would we do? Amen. Uh, and so, now look, the Lord, is, the Lord generally doesn't constrain us for what we might do. Because some people say, well, you know, that church won't grow because if they did, uh, they'd get the big head. God doesn't operate that way. He does whatever he wants to do. And then we are responsible for what he's done in our lives. Amen. And so if he wants to, to uh, bring in a 500 people in the church tomorrow. Uh, and if we get ruined, it's not on him. He didn't go, oh, yeah, well, I, sh- I shouldn't have done that. You know, he doesn't operate that way. He, he's a faith God. Amen. Uh, and so. So in, in all of those things, then it, it's helpful to to constrain ourselves with what God has provided for us and be okay with that. Amen. Because if you're okay with that, you can move mountains. Amen. Raise the dead and still be a human being and not think that we're somebody because those things have happened. Amen. Uh, And so it's always a, it's always a good warning to remember those things, especially to look at church history and see how, how badly we've messed things up over the years. Right. Uh, And so, so we can go back then to, uh, to Philippians chapter two, so those, those are just some of the roles that, that Jesus has acquired because of his obedience to the Lord. And um, don't you know that if we are obedient to the Lord, will the Lord also not exalt us? He will, right? Several times in the New Testament, Jesus said it. Peter said it. Um, that uh, if, you exalt, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will what? Exalt you in due season, right? But we know that that word exalt never is the same level of exalting as Jesus was, right? So we'll, we can maybe exalted, but it will never approach the exaltation that Jesus has. And, and I'm okay with that. But some people are like, that's not fair. That's not fair. You know, I want, I want to be, uh, you know, I want, I want to uh, be exalted like Jesus was, right? Uh, and, and if you're not careful, you will slip over into, uh, in, into Lucifer's uh, failings, right? That I want everything. I want to be the king of the world. Uh, and unfortunately, that job is already taken. Amen. Uh, and so we had already read Philippians 2.10, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and have things in heaven, things in the earth and things under the earth. And, and that's really talking about then the authority that we have in Jesus. Right. Because if, if that name is above every name, then. Uh, then that means that uh, we have access to that authority. And that means that our authority resides in his name. Right. Does it reside in anything else? Does it reside in the crucifix? Does it reside in holy water? Does it reside in uh, the word of God? Does it reside in uh, our physical Bibles? Does it reside in the blood of Jesus? Right? We talked a little bit about 
the, the controversy surrounding the blood of Jesus and how that many times Christians will use the blood of Jesus where they should really use the name of Jesus. Amen. The blood of Jesus paid for our sins. It washes us, makes us clean. It was a, it was a payment for our sacrifice, for our sins, right? And, and it's valuable, amen? No, don't want to diminish the value of the blood of Jesus at all. But it was not given to us for authority. Peter never said in Acts chapter 3, by the blood of Jesus, rise up and walk. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, amen? Uh, and so, uh, and yet, uh, anybody ever heard that phrase, right? Uh, plead the blood. We've all heard it, and I've yet to find out where that's at in the Bible. It doesn't exist. That phrase does not exist in the Bible. There's no, nobody ever did it. Nobody ever pleaded the blood of Jesus. There's no example of it being done. There's no uh, uh, doctrine for it to be said. I don't even know the genesis of that doctrine, you know, where people say that, you know, uh, Old Testament or New Testament. I don't see anybody pleading blood in the Old Testament. I don't see that that phrase just doesn't exist. And so I don't, really don't know the genesis of that Doctrine, and yet I hear it all the time, even in our circles, right? Our charismatic Pentecostal circles. I'm not mad at anybody at all, but you know, for me, I only want to do things where I have the Word of God because the Word of God is the foundation of my faith. When I have the Word of God, I use the name of Jesus to, to demand that the Word of God is fulfilled. So if somebody is sick, I can use the name of Jesus to say, based upon the Word of God, the authority of the name of Jesus. Uh, because I have faith in the name of Jesus, but my faith is in, is in the fact that the name of Jesus empowers us to do the things that the Word of God has given us the authority to do. So the believer shall lay hands on the sick. Well, we do that in the name of Jesus because our authority to do the Word of God comes from the name of Jesus. So uh, are we trying to be controversial and come up with new doctrine? I'm just trying to get rid of old doctrine, you know. And, and, and so, um, uh, and look, I'm not mad at anybody. And, and um, if you want to plead the blood, plead the blood, you know. I will, you know, I will try to balance it out by using the name of Jesus while you're pleading the blood. Amen. And look, I've heard testimonies. People said, I pled the blood and it worked. Okay. I still, I can't have faith in in your experience though. My faith has to be in the word of God. Amen. If it works for you, that's great. Uh, But I can't have faith in what works for you because uh, I can only have faith in what the word of God says. And so if you're doing the word of God and you tell me that worked, well, then I can say, well, then it'll work for me too because you just did what the word says. But sometimes, you know, the Lord has mercy on us because we're not always perfect and sometimes, sometimes things will work and we've got to be careful about building our doctrine upon experiences because even though it worked, that doesn't mean that, that it's doctrinally accurate. It may just be, you know, a mercy of the Lord allowing that to work because you were desperate and, and he just had mercy on you, right? And, and that's fine. And, and the Lord can, oftentimes can do what he wants to. Uh, and so uh, we thank the Lord uh, for that, amen. And look, we're, you know, if you just really, uh, in fact, I told that to one person one time, and they said, "Well, I'm still going to plead the blood." Well, fine, you know. I mean, <laughs> it's okay. You got no Bible for it, but uh, it's okay, right? We're not mad at anybody. Uh, and then, then he said uh, in, in in verse eleven that uh, that every uh, and that every tongue. Well, let's go back and just repeat verse ten. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, things of heaven, things on earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of, the, of God the Father. And at some point, every tongue today does not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, does it? But at some point, they will. They will acknowledge that, yes, you are Lord. Uh, and, and it's unfortunate that, that many that will, that will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord uh, will not still make it to heaven because they never submitted themselves to the Lord, right? Uh, and to confess there means to openly admit and to, and to proclaim or to acclaim. Uh, and so... 
Now, at, at this very moment, is Jesus Lord? Well, he's still Lord, you know. Does, does he need people to confess him as Lord in order for him to be the Lord? No, your confession or lack thereof does not put Jesus in his position or take him out of his position. He's still the Lord uh, of, of everything, amen? Uh, and so he is the Lord. Uh, and so, um, so the people that, well, you know, I'm not going to call him Lord. Fine, someday you will, amen? Uh, and uh, if we were smart, you know, we would do, we would do that uh, uh, we would do that today, amen? But, you know, some people are just stubborn, stiff-necked. They just don't want to submit, you know. Uh, and we're going to get into some of these things in, in a few verses. But, you know, one of the things that would help us as, as human beings is, number one, to remind ourselves, first of all, we're made out of dirt and clay, right? Adam was created from the earth. So there's no deity inherent in us, amen? We're just made out of the same thing that that stump over there is made out of. I mean, really the exact same material, Amen. Uh, and, and so anybody ever worship that stump? Nobody's ever worshiping that stump. So uh, if it's unworthy to be worshiped, then you're unworthy to be worshiped. Uh, but even beyond that, uh, if Jesus is the Lord, you know, uh, we need to get it settled in our hearts as human beings that we're okay that somebody is in charge. Because, the, you know, in the, the, the root failing of all humanity is rebellion, right? There, there's always an aspect of rebellion in the hearts of men. I mean, it's, it's, as long as men have been men on the earth, there's been an act of rebellion, amen? And, and it's, it stays in our hearts, and, and we have to resist it a lot of times. And, and that doesn't mean that, that uh, things like us rebelling against the tyranny of Great Britain, you know, in the Revolutionary War was wrong. There's nothing wrong with, with rising up against evil, Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not rebellion. That's just, you know, it's evil. We're not going to stand for evil. And, and that's perfectly fine. Amen. But, uh, but there is an, a, a, oftentimes an aspect of rebellion. And, and I think I see it more so uh, in the, the people of God who know more about the word of God than your average Christian. Uh, and sometimes it's, uh, you know, because the Bible says that knowledge does what? puffs up, right? Uh, and oftentimes that knowledge, because we know things, suddenly we, we think that we know everything. Uh, and, and the problem is, you know, th there's no doubt that there's plenty of people that are not pastors that know way more than I know about everything. Know more about things in the natural realm, know more things about the Spirit of God that I know, more things about the Word of God that I know. Uh, but they're not the pastor. I'm the pastor, amen? And, and I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room to be the pastor. I don't have to be the most knowledgeable guy uh, to be the pastor. I'm the pastor because God made me the pastor. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it if somebody knows more than I know. Amen. Somebody knows, uh, you know, someone told me they could quote the whole book of Ephesians. And I didn't say anything about it. But I thought I'd rather do the whole book of Ephesians than be able to quote it. You know, that's kind of because I was thinking, you know, well, you don't much act like that, but, uh, you know, I wanted to try doing it first, but they didn't ask my opinion, so I didn't tell them everything that I was thinking in that moment. Yeah, which, you know, you're not required to tell everybody you think every time you think it, right? Because oftentimes you, you, you'd be best not to repeat what you think. Amen. Uh, but th there is there is oftentimes a general rebellion that lives in our hearts. Uh, and we're going to get in just a little bit. We're not going to get much of it, but um, um, we should be okay with the structure of the church that God has given to us. Amen. That the pastor runs the local church, and, and but I don't run the church over there, right? Uh, and the the other four ministry gifts... Are, are ministries to the body of Christ in whatever capacity and size that the Lord has given to them, right? So 
So you may have a prophet, but they may be a prophet, a regional prophet, you know, a state or, or a city or a, a country or to the whole world. You know, Brother Hagin was a prophet to the whole world. Uh, his ministry uh, expanded around the whole world. But there are plenty of prophets who may only be limited to a, a, an area or to this country uh, and not be prophets to the nation. Uh, and they should be okay with that, right? But even inside the church, you know, the church should be okay that there's a structure of authority the Lord has established. But it's not an absolute authority, right? I don't have absolute authority over your life, do I? I can't tell you what car to buy, what food to eat, you know, and none of my business about that. But I have authority to run the church, amen, to, to run this particular church. Uh, and we should be okay with that. I was always okay with my pastor being the pastor, amen. But every now and then you get the folks who just, they're just, they can't stand that they're not the pastor. And, and I never have understood that because that's how the head of the church set it up. If he set it up that way, if he created the position of the pastor, which he did, then why, why do we have a problem with that? Amen. And that's just the general rebellion that's in our hearts that we don't want to be told what to do about anything. Uh, and, you know, you can't tell me that. And look, it's what you do outside this building. None, really none of my business at all. Amen. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, it might, it may be important for me to know if the Lord tells me that, if it's going to affect the ministry, but for the most part, it's none of my business, right? Uh, you know, where you spend your money and how, what color you paint your house and do you mow your yard? And, you know, someone, one person, uh, I used to hear it a lot. I don't hear it much anymore. Is if you want to know how a spiritual person is, just go to their house, open up their sock drawer. That tells you everything you need to know. I'm like, really? That, uh, that tells you everything you've got to know about them is a sock drawer. If, yeah, if it's organized, you know, they're, they're a spiritually mature person. You know, if it's, if it's a rat's nest, they're, they're completely immature. Really? You got any book? And I've heard that. Anybody ever heard that from the pulpit? Really? I used to hear that a lot. I don't hear that much anymore. But like back in the night, I heard that a lot. Just go to their sock drawer. You know, just go to their sock drawer. I mean, it's like, now if you go to my sock drawer, in fact, Chris, Chris told me the other day, she's on, I think she said, because uh, I got this big, I got this big uh, wardrobe thing. You know, it's, it's like nine feet tall. I can't even reach the top of it. And I've got all my socks, you know, all lined up here. You know, I got, I got my fun socks over here. I got my business socks over here. I got my work socks over here. They're all. You know, she said it's like a destination. People, should, you should sell tickets to see this thing. You know, it opens up, lights come on, angels sing. I mean, it's amazing, right? Uh, and, and now that's my sock drawer, right? That's probably not your sock drawer, right? And it's fine, right? I could care less, right? Uh, are, am I more spiritual than you are because of my sock drawer? Uh, what's that? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm not. It does, it's not a sign of maturity. It, Probably a sign of being a little OCD, you know, and I and, uh, just like him, you know, uh, be right there. And, and so, uh, in fact, if you go to the, to the work socks, you know, I got all the short ones in the first row, and then I got all the long ones in the second row, and then I got, all the, and I got the really heavy wool ones for the cold weather in the back row. They're all lined up, you know, like this right here, and, and uh, it's awesome, right? Uh, and so, uh, we'll sell tickets, you know, you can see my, all my socks there. And so, um, uh, but... Uh, I don't know what's that got to do with anything, but uh, <laughs> uh, but, there, but there's you know there, there's just there's just a, a, a lot of rebellion in the church about you know I don't want to answer to nobody right uh, and um, and so uh, so just be okay you know it doesn't make you a doormat amen it doesn't make you uh, subservient it doesn't make me better than you it just is it is what it is that's how the Lord Jesus has established it. And are we okay with that? I think you all are okay with it. But, you know, every now and then, I mean, you get one out of a hundred people just, you know, 
And you can always tell. Usually, you know, we, we get everything we need to know off the visitor's card. Because the visitor's card, you see, I got a little box that says, what church are you a member of? Because we don't want to encourage people to come here if they're a member of another church. Uh, but I can always tell, you know, the rebellious ones say, I'm a member of, quote, the church. So that means they're not a member of any church, right? And, and it's like, blah, 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 right? I just, uh, you know, it's just, I don't have time for that mess. Uh, and so... Because um, we'll see here a few things when Paul gets to it, we'll look at it. But uh, he shifts gears from, from verse 11 uh, from, uh, and goes into verse from 12 to 16, looks at uh, some different things about uh, some more exhortation about us, about how we ought to, to work out our own salvation. So we're, we'll stop there for today and we'll look at that. And, and so there's some good exhortations here. Uh, and, an, you know, an exhortation is, is a compelling desire from the writer for us to press into the things of God, right? to do the work of God. And so, you know, uh, the thing about the Word of God that, that you should always be careful of, you should never let the Word of God condemn you. Oftentimes people read the Word of God and they just get condemned. You know, well, you, you know, what do you expect from me? It's so hard to do that. And the Word of God is never meant to condemn you. The Word of God at most is either to correct you, you know, if necessary, but it's really a lot of it is to exhort you. Here's the right way to live. Here's the best way to do things. Uh, and see, if there's no rebellion in our hearts, then our response is, yes, sir, I'd be glad to do it that way. It sounds good. That's what your word says. It's got to be good. Even if you're not doing it, you should read and go, okay, I'm not doing that, but it's, it's got to be better for me if I start today. Uh, as opposed to, I ain't doing that. You know, nobody, that's just rebellion. Amen. You should never have a rebellious attitude towards the word of God. And I understand that in the church, there's been a lot of abuse, right? Where people in the pulpit demand that you do this and demand that you do that, just like the work of the ministry, people demanding that you paint and demanding that you, you know, sweep floors or whatever. And uh, I don't see that in the word of God. Amen. My job is to help you leave these doors and advance the kingdom of God. It's not to, to browbeat you into painting, painting the church. Amen. Now, I can browbeat the contractors because I'm paying them, right? Uh, and, and uh, you know, they've been a long time coming through all this stuff. But, uh, but for you all, that would, be, that would be out of order for my part. And I understand that in the church, there's been a lot of things that have been done out of order from the pulpit. Amen. And we're going to avoid doing that to the best of our ability. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. We'll, we'll close up. So, Father, we do thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you that uh, you are... Uh, the head of the church, you are the apostle and high priest of our confession. And Father, you are the, the chief shepherd over all of our lives. And that means that you corral us and that you direct us and you instruct us and you cleanse us uh, and you're good to us. And so, Father, we thank you for all the great things that you gave to the Lord Jesus because of his obedience. And that, that encourages us, Father, because if we are obedient, you said in your word that if we humble ourselves, that we will be exalted in due season. And so, Father, we choose to humble ourselves to your word and to your spirit. And we thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive the offering. And then after that, we can go home and look at my sock drawer if you want to, right? And so, uh, but um, all is well, right? And so, <clears throat> and then we go from there and look at my, my toolbox, right? And so. <laughs> all right, come ahead, Mr. Jared. Uh, and um, I think Chris has got like a sock bucket, you know, just, uh, it's just, if it's a sock, it goes in this bucket, you know, and, and uh, I don't know how she gets by in life. It's just amazing to me, you know, she can even get, get out of the house, you know, but um, um, it's not a sign of spiritual maturity for the sure, right? Um, 
<clears throat> and so, um, all right, praise God. Um, well, let's see. So don't forget, uh, Friday night we have um, uh, prayer service at 7 p.m., right? And uh, was there something else? I see people pointing, you know. Okay, we're all good. All right, so Friday night prayer service, and Sunday uh, we'll be here for church. Amen? Oh, you'll be uh, blessed and dismissed.